Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready? What's going on here? Resistance is futile. This, indeed you are, Paul, is... in my hand, Fan Effect. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fan Effect, brought to you by Larry H. Miller Megaplex Theaters, the best place in Utah to see a movie can't argue with that. Wish I could watch the show we're going to talk about today on the big giant screen. I think it would look great, although maybe it wouldn't. Who knows? When they design things for Disney Plus, supposedly they're being designed for the small screen. And Disney Plus and Cassian Andor, a series based on the hero, the tragic hero, the hero who didn't make it quite through the movie of Rogue One, which uh, for many people of my generation and joining me today from KSL TV and our other Star Wars expert, Dan Spindle. Welcome, Dan. Uh, good to be here. I think we're, we're we're from pretty much the same generation. Yes. You are solidly Gen X, and I'm probably the youngest Gen Xer at age 42. I think that's about You're right about on the, the border cutoff. between millennial and Gen yeah, X. Yeah, and I, I never really wanted to, to claim being in, a, in the millennial category, even though uh, Gen Z has taken over all the ire of every other generation uh, nowadays. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, whatever generation Gen Z, you are. I was wondering about that. Gen, generation Lambda or something. I, they're going to get, <laughs> get yeah. into the Greek alphabet. Well, from our generation, <laughs> at the very least, those who were old enough to have only had the original trilogy for a long time. I mean, I was 24, almost 24, when uh, episode one, The Phantom Menace, came out. But you were already 20? I was eight. When Phantom Menace, I was 18. It was 18. right after okay. I graduated high school. I saw it in the theater. So, okay. So, yeah, you literally right are on the cusp there on the border. Yeah. Uh, but for those of us, who, when Rogue One came out, it felt different. It came out a year after The Force Awakens. It was a different feel, it was, and it was meant to be, obviously. Yeah. And, and I remember, and even on this podcast, you can go back into some of the archives, back when we were still called SLC Fanboys, um, we talked about watching the trailers for Rogue One after we'd seen The Force Awakens, and you know we had kind of mixed feelings on Force Awakens, generally positive, but uh, you know when we saw the trailer for Rogue One, it was like, oh yeah, this is the Star Wars that I remember. That is what I've always wanted to see. When yeah. you, I mean, you notice little things like Andor's jacket in Rogue One had like the little thingies down the sleeve that they had in, uh, you know, that Luke's jacket had the yellow one, only it was a different color. Just the attention to detail, seeing stormtroopers in stormtrooper armor, not first order trooper right. armor. The recreation of uh, Yavin base uh, just yeah. looked phenomenal. Seeing the yeah. Death Star, the original Death Star, the completed Death Star that we right. hadn't seen since 1977. All of those things, you know, just seeing... It's like when you watch a deleted scene from Star Wars or when you watch the screen tests and, you know, we've seen Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher reprise their roles. But seeing them at that age saying Star Wars lines 
is different than a digital recreation, sure, for example. Yeah. It's the, the difference of watching the deleted scenes from Return of the Jedi versus watching Luke's scenes from um, from The Mandalorian. Right. Or from Book of Boba Wait, was it Mandalorian or Book of Boba Well, Fett? Book of Boba Fett, he had the extensive... Oh, you know, right, He had right. a couple that lines the in, in The Mandalorian, one. but yeah. But The Mandalorian, especially that scene where he is Luke just a few, a little bit after the events right. of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. It's different. Watching the deleted scenes when you know Mark Hamill was that age in 1982 right. whenever they were shooting it. So I, I love that. It's a really weird feeling to see something that you don't know. Seeing Luke's scenes with Biggs, because forever those were never available to watch. Right. Yeah. And watching young Mark Hamill and originally talking to Biggs, who you only saw in the X-Wing suit, it was weird, but cool. Because it was plucked right out of the world. And Rogue One It was like time traveling. It's the closest yeah. thing to time traveling Plucking that we have. It right out of the world, right out of the timeline. Um, and remember when this came out, or when Rogue One was was going to come out, it was billed as a war movie. Yes. They said this is going to be Star Wars, emphasis on the wars, grittier, darker. Um, I always hate the term darker because to me it's just it's not gory. There's no gratuitous violence necessarily. It's it's not horror. But what it was supposed to be was we're going to have the um, episodic films that are right from the the Skywalker timeline, and we're going to have these side offshoots that were going to be called Star Wars stories. Right. Yes. Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Solo. Solo, a Star Wars story, and that kind of kind of fizzled. Multiple untitled Star Wars stories right. that then all got thrown away well, after Solo didn't do well. Well, because it was after the Marvel uh, blueprint and the template of knocking out these things every year uh, on the year, which I, I don't know if they they might have been able to do it had had they done it a bit differently or, or committed to telling stories. Well, outside of the Skywalker saga, I, I don't know that they wouldn't have done well. I think they I would think have done they, well. They could have if they were willing to take the year to two years prior to getting one movie ready right. to block out. I mean, it's like what they do for the comic books and for um, the novelization series. Right. They have the summit where all the writers get together. Yeah. Say, OK, what are you thinking? Let's see if we let's make sure that we can make this all work. Right. That's I mean, that's what we as fans want. Right. We like the cohesiveness. If we didn't care about the universe, we wouldn't watch any of the stuff and we wouldn't get upset when it's not good like we want it to if we didn't care about the universe. Well, so that's a negative sometimes when we let our love of wanting things to be a certain way overtake to where we then just hate things out of principle or, you know, or, or we try to convince somebody else who likes it that they shouldn't like it. Well, That's this is going why, too far. But but it's the, it comes from a place of I'd like to be more of this universe. Right. When the shows can work so well, and I think that's uh, this is like jumping the gun, but I think Andor did it so well because it felt thought out. It felt well planned. And they put an incredible amount of money and attention to detail into this story. Um, and it's actually made me question my devotion to the films and saying, well, I got to see this on the big screen. I, I would love to see something like this, but something on the big screen won't even reach three hours. This is, what was it? Well, they were almost, they were Seven, anywhere eight, from nine 30 hours. to 60 minutes each. And there right. was, and there was what, 12 episodes? 12 of them. So you're talking nine hours worth, something like that. I yeah. mean, I, I think, and I've been talking to my boys about this, my, my sons who are all basically teenagers now. And they've talked about what could be the next film. And we're thinking now, because we've had two seasons of The Mandalorian, we've got a third one coming up. You could make a, a Mandalorian movie without feeling like you're getting shortchanged. Because you That's could make true. a Mandalorian story knowing that the film or the, the television show is still going on, the streaming show is still going on. So you're not shorted any of that awesome detail and dialogue that, that we've come to expect now. And I think Andor just sets such a, a standard now that's so high. 
Um, we can get into the ins and outs of, of whether it's not Star Wars enough or whatever, but the standard and the quality for the, the filmmaking aspect of it is just incredible. The, the sets were incredible. The the layered dialogue, the, the, the character development, incredible and slow at times, sure, but deliberately so, I, I thought. Um, and, and again, we can kind of get into that, but I just think that the, the quality of the streaming show now and the amount that we're getting with characters and, and scenarios, man, I don't, I don't know how they would do it on a, on the big screen. Without committing to a trilogy like they typically did, right? They so, oh, here well, we go. We're going to have a whole trilogy. Could. I mean, if anything, you can just point to Rogue One, which was a standalone story that Take people a piece don't out. hate. Yeah. And we knew when the movie ended, there wasn't a sequel. I mean, yes, there was a sequel. It was Star Wars A New Hope. Sure. But there wasn't a sequel for all these characters that True. we just spent two hours getting to know. And we, we lived with that. We accepted that. That, honestly, is the thing I think is missing from our movie consuming our pop culture consuming culture today is that's a throwback to the old days if you're if the hero got killed at the end that was it that's that and you didn't right? you liked it or you didn't like it or maybe the hero dying made you appreciate the story and sure. the arc and everything like that but we and for better or worse this is where the real world creeps back into things if we're willing to pay money for another story from this character there will be another story that's, from this character right. they'll find a way whether it's a prequel like which is what we got here for Andor the series, yeah. or whether it's another sequel. And for better or worse, and I believe that each one should be taken on its own merit because some are better and some are worse, you're going to get more stories from anything that we already like. You just will because yeah. we'll spend money to see it, and and we will. You know, we've <laughs> we've committed to Star Wars for this many years. We're going to see it all the way through to the end of our mortal days. Well, it won't. It'll be long beyond us, well, which that, is the interesting thing, isn't it? We're not going to leave it behind. We will see everything. And I hope, well, I think some are, and I, I hope they, they don't. Anyone well, listening know, to this. you and I are not going no, to. No, that's true. That's true. But, but my point being, I, I've read, you know, I kind of follow this on social media and Twitter and whatever and these hashtags and the fact that Andor is not getting a lot of attention, I understand the idea that that some might hesitate to dive right in because, oh, well, this is trying on purpose to not be the typical Star Wars. And where where is the John Williams score and where are the lightsabers and this and that? OK, I, I get on paper. I get that. However, yeah, we didn't hear this even once we during didn't. this series. And did we miss it? I mean, I love I, mean, the, I love the music. We didn't miss it for this Correct. Show, That's what I right? mean. Or Rogue One. Right. Rogue One managed to have a great... Who did Rogue One, by the way? Was that Michael Giacchino or who, who was that? For the, the score, score, yeah, it was Giacchino. Man, he has really made a name for himself. He's scoring everything nowadays, isn't he? He's just... Yeah. I mean, in a good way. I don't remember anything tone. memorable, though, about the Rogue One score. There was no track that I um, feel like was... It had a really quick fanfare, yes. which I wish I could... I, no, it's the da 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 da. That's a, that's bad. And then it key. shows like this is the planet that we're going yeah. to. Yeah. Right well, I mean, again, that's that's why Rogue One and the pacing was so great, and we came to. Exp- I mean, what's what's great about Andor is that it took Rogue One and said, "Hey, you remember Rogue One?" And then, boom, it puts you right into Rogue One, which is the Star Wars universe, the Star Wars galaxy. But it took the level of character and dialogue and and conversation. To the next level. I just, that's what I loved about it immediately. And I heard a lot that the first three episodes had a slow arc building up. But I'm going to have to go back and watch it again. I, I did not feel that way. I felt that it was 
slow and deliberate, but I was all about that. I loved that. I loved that they were taking their time and that these these conversations were so intricate. And I almost had to pause it and go back a few times and go, wait, what did he say? What are they talking about? Who did they mention? And the names of this, man, I don't have a list in front of me. What was it? Probably 37 new characters or something that all had multiple lines of dialogue. I, I, I loved it. I thought it was... It was great. I'm not going to knock the the sequel, prequel, whatever. I'm not going to overly compare it to the other um, incarnations of Star Wars. The fact that we have this one, man, oh, man, I I thought it was fantastic. So do you want to start with, like, breaking down the arguments for and against? Do we want to set the table with, you know, what what did we get from it? Okay. What what do you want to do? Yeah, let's let's do that. Kind of an overall generalization of, of how we feel so about it. So what we got from Andor is a prequel to the character. And and from what I understand, and I'd have to do a little bit more research, I'm sorry I don't have that right in front of me, was this tries to explain Andor's line, very uh, two different lines. Uh, one is when he ruthlessly kills the informant on uh, right. when he gets the information the right at the beginning of the time we one. see him yeah and then later Jen Urso accuses him of something cuz her problems are so bad and right. and and then he has that line like you know you don't know what I've done for the rebellion he says I don't have the convenience of deciding when I want to fight for this I've been fighting for this since I was 6 years old and so this is attempting to explain that um, well, it's using him on as the, the one hand. Too. I, I feel like in some ways this is trying to build the backstory for Han Solo of why he would shoot first, for example. Okay. Why, we need to know why Han would shoot first, even though we uh, didn't need on. to know why. Because back in the 70s, was it was the cowboy. lone gunslinger. The yeah. cowboys shot first and it didn't matter. He flips the coin. The to camera the follows him. So he's right no matter what. <laughs> That's right. I mean. Um, but then it was like, well, then did, did he shoot first, or Listen, like, is he a nice guy? So Greedo he's a nice said, guy. I'm going to kill you. That's what Greedo basically Greedo had him says a gunpoint. That's what I'm saying. I and Han Han had every right to shoot first. It wasn't a cold blooded murder. Right. He had a bounty hunter getting ready to take him in cold. That's what he said. He goes over my dead body. Well, that's the idea. Coming in cold. Oh boy. See, it's great. Um, yeah. Andor so, to me was the the embodiment of the every man, every woman in the Star Wars galaxy. It's some random. So are you person. talking in the Rogue One portion, or as you watch the series? Well, I think that's what the series attempted to do. I feel like they, each do. one is a part of the other. So for sure. Uh, Rogue so the one, Andor. We saw in Rogue One was committed to the cause, right. was willing to kill informants if it looked like it was going to uh, put the rebellion at risk well, or put what the information he gleaned at risk. Like this needed to be known, and and he did what he had. He 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 was a survivor, and he did what he had to do. That's why him and Jin connected. I think was because they're both survivors. But now we get to see more of how he was a survivor versus in Rogue One. We only saw how Jin was a survivor, right? And so. Well, Star Wars was always about mythology, right? George Lucas wanted to create a mythology that had kind of a religious aspect to it so that it was universal and people could relate to the themes, right? Um, and it did that, and it's got a fairy tale aspect, which we've seen a lot of. Luke and Leia, when they swing across, like Errol Flynn. Pulp. Pulp she, action. It's pulp action. That's the difference, I think. And, and when somebody argues against Andor, that's what's missing from Andor. Yeah. I'm not saying it should be in it, right. but that is what's missing is the pulpy fun aspect of there's, it. They're in a firefight. There's fire fight any fun at all. They're, they're in a firefight. <laughs> they're escaping from the Death Star. It's utterly ridiculous that three people and two droids can get off, or four pe- three people and two droids can get off a, 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 an armored space station with literally thousands of troops on it. Oh, yeah. Like, it's well, ridiculous. It, and we already know that the Death Star works because we'd seen. Right. So, yes, there's we can come up with headcanon to explain it all, but... 
But what I'm saying is, even through all of that, you know, you've got this happy music, give you a kiss for, for luck, sure, we swing yeah. across, they're, they're, they're playfully arguing. Uh, we're fine. We're all worship. fine here. Yeah. We're, we're, we're fine. How are you? Chewie, we're going to have company. I mean, it's, it's funny. Uh, go back and watch the original Star Wars A New Hope. I make this argument all the time that it is so funny and not goofy slapstick funny. It's just naturally but great, it does have funny that dialogue. Too. It's very good. Go um, that way, kick. You want to you <laughs> get this? Uh, you want to get this walking carpet out of my way? It's just but, so, so great. That's that's what Andor leaves that part it's out, and that's okay. The other way, yeah. Because well, one of the arguments I'm going to make is that every Star Wars is as much a product of its time as it is part of a of a an overarching universe of stories. Sure. And, and it has to be, first of all, because it's been around for 50 years. And it has to be because even though we kind of pretend otherwise, we are not watching historical documents. You know, think right. of Galaxy Quest. Oh, the historical documents. Oh, yes. like, uh, it was a TV show, guys. Yeah. It was... It was written on the fly. It, you know, well, we so, we treat it as if we're watching a documentary, but it's still entertainment and it's a story that's still being written. Something speaking, that's going to come out later might contradict something we watched in Andor to sure. some extent. And it's I will say, happen. speaking of history, if you look back, I, I, I've read a lot about especially colonial times in the Revolutionary War. And there's um, a great show called Turn. I think that oh, was yeah, A&E. it's on AMC. AMC, that's right. Yeah. Now about Washington and his spies. Yeah. Well, well, but that's the thing. You, we have this George Washington, the Washington Monument. He's on our money. You think of what a great noble hero he was, and he was. I'm not knocking it. I've read multiple biographies about Washington. He's he's probably my favorite president. I, I love George Washington's attention to duty and detail, and understanding who he was and who history would judge him to be. Rogue One takes a look at the wars of Star Wars in a very real sense of how, if you read history about what had to happen for us to win the revolution, for what had to happen for the North to beat the South, for what had to happen in these wars, it's gritty, dirty, nasty, yes. unethical, immoral. There's, I mean, you say it's war. I'm going to say unethical and immoral on a normal scale. But when you consider the alternative of what could happen if this happened or that happened, Boy, there were people. Look, George Washington, when some of his uh, people wanted to defect because they were starving and cold, they were shot. I mean, that's th- there were there were these elements and aspects of warfare and organization and fighting against an enemy. That I mean, look, they they crossed the Delaware right on Christmas because. They wanted to catch them drunk because they, they knew that they would be with the Hessians. They'd be celebrating with the Germans so we can catch them off guard right oh, when yeah. they're celebrating Christmas. You right. go, whoa, this is this is serious stuff. I felt like Andor really pulled that back, the, the curtain to show, you know, what would have had to happen for these rebellious acts to work. They mentioned them in the original trilogy that many Bothans died to bring us this information. Yep. Um, the rebels we still have just haven't scored seen that their, story, by the way. You know, we will. You know, <laughs> Disney Plus, we will. It'll be called Many Bothans or something. <laughs> we'll get to see the, the tales of the Bothan race. But that's what Andor did for me was I... I Knowing what I knew going in, saying, okay, this is Rogue One, but even more detail, I wasn't going, wait a second, where is the sweeping score? Where is the the lightsaber-wielding Jedi? I was totally cool that that wasn't happening. And I'm fine with it. I think the reason we can be fine with it, because when the sequel trilogy came out, we did not have Disney+. Plus, We did not have streaming. Right. We did not have unending content. And so... When it comes out and misses the mark in a few places, you go, okay, okay, I liked it. And then The Last Jedi comes out, and that was the most divisive thing in Star Wars history. And then 
the third one comes out and everybody kind of likes it, but then they go, wait, that's it. We shouldn't have wrapped it up this way. We should have wrapped it up this way. Because there's a panic that goes through the fan base that says, oh, no, this is it. So the fact that we have streaming content now that can really go in any direction you want it to, yep. I, I kind of want to tell people, we're good. You didn't like this? You didn't like Book of Boba Fett because it didn't do that? Cool. Enjoy what you like about it. I hated the speeders, the shiny speeders of the, the local gang of ruffians, non-ruffians on Tatooine. Um the Power but, Rangers speeders. The power, there you go. Power <laughs> Rangers. Um, but tons of stuff about The Mandalorian was just epic and incredible. And or in the same way, because it goes off in a different direction, I love it. Now, is it going to be rewatchable to just sit down and chill and, and catch an episode of Andor? Probably not. But what I take away from it is that you can you can do a, a more adult, quote unquote, you know, constant talk. Oh, the adult Star Wars. You can do that. Without sacrificing anything else, you're not doing that instead of anything. You're doing it in addition to, and, it, and it's okay. That's a good way to look at it, in addition to not competing with or, or taking instead away from, of. Yeah, you're not going to not get or, lots like, of Jedi in the future. Well, you can like the Mandalorian or you can like Andor, but you can't like both. Yeah, I that's love not both. That, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not an either-or proposition. Right. It's not a zero-sum game. It's a different way to tell it's stories. It's like when you have kids. You think you're going to split your love between the kids, <laughs> but what ends up happening is your heart enlarges to include them both. It's like the and Grinch. <laughs> if you're willing, you can enlarge your heart to it's include true. all of the Star it's Wars true. content. And if you hate it, that's fine, too. Again, I don't have a problem with somebody who doesn't like it. I do hope that you could explain why you don't like it. Like, my brother and I will never agree on The Last Jedi, but he's at least given me reasons why sure. he doesn't like right. it. And you're, you've got reasons why and you I've love got it. reasons why I do like it and why yeah. those things that he that bother him, I've decided don't bother me enough to change how I feel about right. it. And so there's room in the tent for everybody's opinions when it comes to this. Uh, we don't play zero sum games on a fan, on fan effect. Yeah. Unless I say no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so for me and or uh, now I had to watch this with kind of two different lenses at the same time. As somebody who reviews stuff for the KSL TV uh, noon show, I have to look at it as be- beyond just my absolute geekitude and love of it just because it has a Star Wars logo on it, right? You coined a phrase there. Um, but I also have to look at it like, okay, but but what about everybody else who doesn't love it as much as I do, who doesn't understand when I drop names like, well, you know, when Mon Mothma goes here, well, what did Mon Mothma, is that like, is that like a bug? Is that like a... <laughs> Is that like like the hairy guy? You know, I, I got to understand that I'm going to be talking to people who don't know the right. lore as well right, as I yeah. do. So I have to watch this. Like, would somebody who doesn't love Star Wars already like I do, how are they going to feel about this? Or how how can I imagine that they would watch this? Is there is there things here that they would be willing to? And then also I would um, I would have to think of, OK, well, how could I explain them to maybe what's a mindset to take? When you go in to watch this. So as I'm watching sure. it, I'm watching it like, would this draw me in if I didn't already like Star Wars? And that was where I was a little bit like hesitant because, you know, you could recommend A New Hope to literally anybody. Now, they may not like it, but you could recommend it. Oh, it, it's it's kind of fun. It's a throwback to earlier movie Adventure era. story. It's yeah. adventure. Everything is over the top. The stuff is supposed to be cosmically and comically almost large to where, you know, it, it's meant to be. The little versus the big from the sure. from the moment that the Good movie begins evil. and the small ship goes Darkness by and light. the giant ship is chasing yeah. it. That's it, it's meant to to do that kind of stuff. I mean, look at Darth Vader. He looks like you know the most evil person ever, right? Yeah. That's that's all he was was this evil robotic kind of robot. Were guy. you sure if he was a robot? Nobody or not? knew. But in the one shot in the light, you could kind of see some eyeballs yeah. through yeah. his lens. I remember that debate right. before we saw Empire Strikes Back in the oh, ball back of the head. I thought stormtroopers were robots because they had oil. Written 
written on their backs. There you go. <laughs> Even though it was like zero one one or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we all can, but but that's something you could recommend to anybody at any time and say, check out Star For Wars. Sure. But could you take Rogue One and recommend it to somebody if they didn't have, at the very least, A New Hope as as a base before you watch that? Because much of what these things, and this is this is sort of the advanced level fan, and this is the, the 410 instead of the 110 uh, classes in college. Once you've got the base, then you can go into like the deeper stuff, and then the, the, the stuff has more meaning. Um, the speeches given by Luthen and oh, Mon Mothma, and, and honestly, even uh, what's his name? It's not Siler, it's um, who's the Andy Circus? No, 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 no. Cyril, his speech was good. Cyril, 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 yes. Cyril Karn, Cyril Figgis. No, just kidding. Cyril Figgis is uh, from a different show, sure. Uh, anyway. Um, the things that they say really resonate for you and I because yes. you understand the things that come later. We understand the planet destroyer. It's only barely, barely, barely hinted at in this series. Sure. And yet it's the key to Rogue One. And even though it was the, the MacGuffin, the big bad that they're all chasing is how to blow up the Death Star in Star Wars. Um, you know, when you when you stop and slow down and, and get over the, the rush of the roller coaster ride of the ships flying in to try to blow it up. Yeah. You're like, that thing blew up a whole planet. And then then you and I have read Lost Stars, which really kind of explained Great book. how different people in the galaxy, yeah. just regular rank and file Empire members, how they felt about something like that. Because to destroy an entire planet, like we just kind of take it in stride in, in, in A New Hope, partly because we don't know anything about it other than Princess Leia is from that planet. We don't know anything else about it. And now we've had 40 years to build some backstory to yeah. get to know Bail Organa, her father, to see it in a, def- a couple of different spots in Revenge of the Sith and then again in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Yeah. So now suddenly it's a well, – they, they blew up a whole planet full of people. Like we took it in stride when they destroyed the whole Hosnian Prime system, like multiple planets in uh, – well, because we barely saw it. You know, we right. saw a couple of people look up no and that was no connection that. to it. Okay, well, let me throw this out there. As far as connection to characters, and this is, I will I will admit, I am watching currently that I was watching Andor. Uh, something that I'm trying to catch up on is uh, Man in the High Castle. And we talked about this a little bit. That's on uh, Prime. Yes. That you can watch it. And it's an alternate history of what if the Nazis and the Japanese would have won the war in World War II. And this is the current era of the 60s. And this is what the world would have looked like. Now, there are so many similarities between that and Andor. And the storytelling is, I mean, there is as as close as an art dealer who is who ends up being... Who's the spy, kind of? Yeah. The organizer I mean, you know, of the resistance? I mean, at least in this one, it's an art dealer who ends up being utilized that way to to kind of... Um, I mean, he enriches himself, but he, so he's not like Luthen as a, as a rebel leader. But there are so many different storytelling devices that are similar. And yet... Also, the same is you talk about do you care about these characters and, and why and how? I think Andor, as well as something like Man on the High Castle, which is you have to know the backstory. Man on the High Castle, the backstory is remember World, World War II. II? Yeah. Remember how this happened? What if this happened? Star Wars is the same thing. You know how they blew up the Death Star and the Emperor kind of took over and he was evil? He was an evil guy. Well, there were a bunch of these officers and stormtroopers. Let's kind of look into that. Let's look into these rebellious people who would fight against the Empire. And so you are going back before what you already know will happen or has happened. So in the same way, you're, you're setting your mind in this reality and then you're going, oh, that's interesting. So I would have to ask somebody who knows nothing about Star Wars, which you'd be hard pressed to find somebody, what they think of it. But... 
my wife and I, as we watch Man on the High Castle, there are some Nazi figures who do horrific, horrific things, and yet you care about them and their family and their storyline because they really dive into their motivations, and, right. but they're still really evil. This show in Andor was the same way. As you looked at Dedra, and you, you kind of thought... That would be Dedra Miro, the Imperial Security. She's ISB, and yet she's kind of uh, trying to push back against her other officers and even her superiors, and you're, you're interested in her story. I want more of that. Boy, oh boy, if I didn't want her and uh, Cyril Karn to just a lip lock at the end there, it was so close. Did you want him to? Uh, yes. It I was, thought they were going to for was, a second. Well, because it made sense at that time. She thought, I'm repulsed by this guy. He's intoxicated by her and her power, and then at the end, she, he saves her life. I mean, and now they're going to be the happiest space Nazis together. You go, okay, this is great. <laughs> no, I so, think I didn't. I didn't get the impression. I thought she was going to do it just out of like relief that she sure. thought she was dead for a second. I think she's going she to be going to regret it now. for the next twelve episodes. Listen, I think because so those two. I think when you look at the guy who was on Aldani and his family, and you kind of looked at his family for a minute, and then they were taken hostage. You cared about them for a minute. I, I the the ability to care about people who do bad things. I thought is the genius of the writing of Andor. And the same thing with any of these spy, thriller, suspense, whatever show, whatever film you're watching, if you can kind of get into their mind and see from their point of view, not compromising your morals and standards and not like, well, you know, the Nazis did have a, a, a right to, no, 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 I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, there's, there's a Japanese character in, in, in Man on the High Castle that controls the, the West Coast and he's this uh, leader of the secret police of the Japanese. And yet you're following his storyline with interest and wondering what's going to happen to him. And you don't just wish ill on him. So Andor, I thought, did very well in taking the evil people that in the original trilogy, it was black and white. But the original trilogy was about redemption, right? It was about multiple motivations. And can you change once you've done something bad? So Andor kind of looks at that in multiple layers with Mon Mothma and her family. I mean, she's she's selling her daughter into a life of uh, uh, arranged marriage to a gangster son, for crying out loud. She's, you know, doing these things with with questionable legality for the greater good. So maybe that's the term that we look at with Andor is what is the greater good and, and how far you do you have to push to yourself yeah, to how, achieve it? And can you can you keep your humanity or, or whatever alien species you are? You're, <laughs> right. You're, you're closest thing to humanity. Without, can you uh, keep your moral center? Right, and what is it? What is it worth? Uh, Luthen's monologue, which should be forever known as you know, Luthen's monologue, should be like looked at as the incredible. You know, Nemec's manifesto needs to be written out as well. But Luthen's monologue, <laughs> my goodness, it sets the stage for every rebel going forward uh, as far as what you've had to sacrifice, what you've seen, what you're willing to do, and why it's a righteous cause. It's just, just incredible. So. To me, that's what it was. It, what was so fantastic about Andor was, I care about these characters, all of them, and I'm interested. Uh, and you can kind of set aside some of their dirty deeds, I suppose, and still be interested in where they're going and what they're doing and why. And and that's what I I, I loved kind of looking into. That's a great stopping point because that leads right into my next point, which I wanted to discuss with you, which is how. Andor is a product of our time as much as all the other Star Wars movies are a product of their times and how the storytelling is then influenced by what the things are going on in the real world around them. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. 
Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Fan Effect brought to you by Larry H. Miller Megaplex Theaters. Andy Farnsworth and Dan Spindle from KSL TV were talking about Andor. We both liked it. Um, we didn't really get into too much of our common belief because we've talked about this before we've started recording the podcast quite a bit. Um, our common belief that this Andor is for it will be best enjoyed by those who really enjoy being in the Star Wars world. It's not really necessarily designed as a magnet to the Star Wars world, much like you could look at really any of the beginning movies of the trilogies as there, there's much a magnet to like check this out kind of a thing as as anything. But Andor is Andor's for the people who like being there. Andor's for people who pick up on the headdress that Amidala wore that's in Luthen's right. shop. Andor's for people who recognize the the mention of Hosnia, of uh, Hosnia Prime. Uh, Andor's for people or Canto who Bite. or Canto Bite or, or who recognize these things without needing any explanation. Yeah. Andor's for the people who in the theater when they hear the thing that they're like, "Oh," and everybody else is like, "What?" Yeah. To me, Andor is like the moment in uh, Ready Player One when they talked about the glaive, which is the little star from Krull that was so obscure. See, that was yet, way too obscure for me. And yet my brothers and I played a game about Krull and it was the coolest little weapon. It's like, it looks like a starfish, only then blades come out of it and you can throw it and it'll go and come back to you. It's, Great soundtrack, Krull, by the way. Great it's soundtrack. It's a very, Horner, very right? less known movie that <laughs> seems like it should have been better known. But, but what I'm saying is Andor is for moments like I had in Rogue in uh, Ready Player One, where I recognized the thing and couldn't wait to talk about it with my brothers. Like, did you see the yeah. glaive was in it? Do you know what I couldn't uh, stop saying when they would go back? Now, I, I'm not knocking either thing here, and let me get to that. The set that they constructed that was Ferrix, right? Rick's, yes. Rick's Road in Ferrix. Incredible set. So many times when they would veer off and go into an alleyway, I would say to my kids, I'd look over and say, hey, they're in Galaxy's Edge again. And I'm not knocking Galaxy's Edge either. However, what you just said, if you want to go and sit in the world without much happening, that's Galaxy's Edge. Because Galaxy's Edge, if you go on the Falcon ride, awesome. If you go on Rise of the Resistance, life-changing. Everything else, there's nothing that happens. There's nothing going on. There's not a lot of characters. But having said that, I could go sit somewhere in Galaxy's Edge and just sit. I, I could. I don't stare have at to, the Falcon. Yes. Stare at the Greeblies. You know, for those who don't know, Greeblies are just things that uh, that George Lucas... And his team created, the the ILM guys um, created a, a box on a wall that looked like a panel where that had a lever. It didn't matter what it was. It was this mechanical looking thing with flashy lights. That's a Greebly that people use for their Star Wars rooms and their theater rooms uh, all throughout the world now to create these awesome spaces. That's it. Creating an awesome space. Like, that's all I care about with Star Wars most of the time is just, can I live there for a minute? Can I explore the world? And Andor... Had the nitty gritty. You were exploring the world. There were different foods, different streets, different places, different lights. Different we got our first glimpse everything. of Star Wars breakfast cereal. 
that wasn't too Star many Wars times, themed so many times. Cereal. Yeah, no, so many times. Um, somebody said it was Oops All Berries is what it was. <laughs> Captain Crunch Oops All Berries. Um, no, I, we saw a prison. I mean, I'm trying to think. Had we seen a prison before? Maybe in the animated. No, we'd seen detention. Centers, yeah, like this detention is like a center. D- this is a prison. full blown. This is a, 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 detention centers are more like the county jail, the lockup. Yes. yes. This was the full on prison system with lifers, you know, with, yep. and, and, and an incredible new technologies. Um, and I know we're going to talk about that. So not to not to jump the gun too much, but talking about what what Star Wars does to reflect uh, like our own reality. That's. A lot of that came up in this series, especially, but it always does. It always does. So on that subject, uh, where how Star Wars reflects reality, I mean, it, think about uh, the way the way the world was. And, and for a lot of people who watch A New Hope, uh, it took George Lucas finally telling people, yes, it is a Vietnam War allegory yes. a little bit. It was made in 1977. It was just a couple of years after the Vietnam War ended, um, even though people don't like it. Uh, the Amer- America was the empire, right. even though it's funny the, that and to me, this is why I don't think it was seen that way is because it came out a year after the bicentennial, the bicentennial where we celebrated rah, we're the rah. rebels who rebelled yep. against the empire of England. Right. And it was no coincidence that all the empire had British accents and all the rebels had American accents. It was intentional. And so it was kind of funny that it's. It was technically the opposite of what we kind of looked at it. But again, the real world, the bicentennial, we were very patriotic. And so, of course, we rebelled just like the rebels. That's why we connected with the rebels was because deep down in our DNA as Americans, we are rebels when it comes down to it. Pioneers, trailblazers. Exactly. All of those things. And of course, nobody likes the the big overbearing hand who's no fair and that, you know, treats people bad and doesn't care that they're treating people bad. Um, So that becomes a product of its time. We get to the prequel trilogy and we start to get into the post 9-11. I mean, that wasn't the case necessarily. We we knew there was an emperor over the galaxy. So we see the seeds of the emperor beginning in uh, Phantom Menace. But at that point, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith hadn't been written. Those were not written until close to about 9-11 itself. Then we watch the rise of Palpatine himself. I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but there's many that have argued that events similar to that are taking place. But I've actually heard arguments from two different sides of the political aisle that both both are arguing that the other are doing that. So when Padme says, so this is how democracy or this liberty dies, thunderous thunderous applause, applause. that was very much a relation to the U.S. Congress, you know, passing uh, like the Patriot Act and those types of things. And, and, you know, Anakin says to to Obi-Wan, if you're not with me or against me, that was a a George Bush reference. reference. Uh So, I mean, uh, George Lucas and that was enough for Obi-Wan to say all right well despite all of our years together that one line has convinced me that I must kill you with a lightsaber I will kill you now well only a Sith deals in absolutes doesn't matter that you've choked that you murdered all the younglings that you kneeled down in front of Darth Sidious now is the time because you said if you're not if you're an absolute no Uh, that's always (laughs) been kind of a funny joke to me well look it it happens in all entertainment and if you allow that to to cloud your enjoyment of it then you won't enjoy anything I've had no but I've had people tell me before like this actor said this thing and so I can't watch him anymore and i'm going you know you're going down a slippery slope there and i i for one just try to separate the things the, the work performance the, the art yeah. yeah from the actual uh maybe personal beliefs and that kind of thing well and but but i bring this up because that's kind of what is in andor's dna we've gotten to a point in our society well two things one is more so than ever before with the with the disappearance of the cost of communicating I mean, even think in 1999, 
when Phantom Menace came out, it still cost a bundle to make an overseas phone call. For to sure. have a video connection was something that only the most rich of the rich would do and only really in businesses and, and only for fiction, very, really. very few yeah. would even think of it. Even though it was the thought process and the people who ended up inventing it were, were on the way towards creating that. It wasn't a thing yet. Yeah. And so, you know, the idea that Obi-Wan Kenobi could go to Tatooine and hang out and nobody would notice him makes way more sense in 1977 when you could go live on a mountainside and people sure. wouldn't know if you're alive or dead except yep. for when you show up into town makes way more sense than in 2022, the idea that Obi-Wan could hide out on a planet because now we've invented facial recognition software sure, yeah. in our time. So now we can't help but think, like, if they're supposed to be so advanced that they can do interstellar right. travel. I mean, even for Andor, let's be honest. Even for Andor, we have to pretend that the idea that their technology can't somehow have facial recognition software. Right. Because they're able to. How else would people ever get on and off planets? There's no way to do well, it unless you can suspend that idea. It could also bring you the idea of, like, uh, think about uh, DNA evidence uh, and that technology and the FBI database. And unless you have a good blood sample and fingerprint record, there are people who have slipped through the law enforcement system and the justice system where they've ended up in jail and they go, wait a second, how many times have they found somebody in jail and, and connected them to a crime? Right. Said, wait, we had them right here all along. That's what I kept thinking about with Andor well, being and things in jail. Well, like Gattaca and, and Minority Report yes. tried to kind of explain, yes. like, how would people get around a society that has that technology? For sure. That's not what Andor was about. And I'm fine with that because Andor yeah. was more about, you know, the journey and stuff. So there, it's the well, writer's the dilemma. To the it's the Death writer's Star dilemma. had to be on a little thumb drive. and Right. Yeah. That's the just well, no, it had to be on the little flat the disc, disc that yeah, she very much into a, R2. A hard disc. Um, <laughs> but th- that's that's the real thing. You have to say, well, what's the story? And then this could be a roadblock to the story, but we need the story to go here. So sure. uh, whether it's a random malfunction in a, in a facial recognition software or just pretending it's not there at all. But again, so as you watch it, these are the type of things that come together. So now we're watching how the rebellion comes together. And in 1977, I don't know if we would have cared how the rebellion came together. The rebellion was explained in one line. It's a period of civil war. Right. Rebel spies striking from a hidden base have have stolen the have won their first space battle against the Empire. Yeah. That's what we knew of the rebellion. Luke didn't know of the rebellion. The droids barely knew the rebellion. They were on a rebellion ship. And it did but it didn't matter. I mean we saw the rebels on the base, but we didn't ask the question, well, how did they get there? And well, where did their X Wings come from? But as we've had forty years to think about it. Yeah. We want to well, know no, those things because they had to come from somewhere. And now those of us who've grown up on the stories that as a kid, and it's, it's similar to when you read comic books as a kid, it doesn't really matter that it physically would be difficult for Spider-Man to whip around this building at Mach 6G and then land without hurting his... It, it, as a kid, none of that even matters. Right. But then as a grown-up, you're like, well, if we really had to do this, and as they make the movie, how can we physically pull off this thing they've been doing in the comic books? Right. Um, that becomes a thing because we've had years to percolate on it and to think. And so now Andor becomes a representation of all those things. Did it matter how the rebellion came about? I mean, not really as far as the story goes. We just know it's there. But now we've had it for a while. So, like, how would a rebellion come together? It helped that we were like, how does the Empire rise? Well, we got to see that in the prequel trilogy. A master plan who was able to play both sides of a war for his own PR ends. And they do it subtly through the Clone Wars cartoon series, if you've watched it. Yeah, There's yeah. little things in the background where uh, Palpatine's making an announcement while the characters are going past. That for sure. Like, yeah. That he's talking about, well, the Jedi are doing these strange things, but don't worry, I'm still with them. Yeah. And... And you find out that it, 
somebody who's a master manipulator who can actually manipulate two sides of a thing to his own ends suddenly finds himself willingly supported by a lot of the people. And then as we go into Andor, we start to see the type of people who support the Empire. And yes, there's still some of the the bullies who like to continue to bully and the Empire gives them a, a fist to bully with. But there's also people who prefer law and order and don't like the chaos and would rather just sort of maintain like, okay, this isn't intolerable for me at this moment. So it's fine. And some of the rebels come from people like that. Some of the rebels were the type that would probably saw Guerrera seems like he'd rebel against literally anybody who tried to tell him what to do for sure ever over anything. You should eat that toast for breakfast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not going to toast it. at you. Well, if you think about this is a, an attempt to explain. Then he would ask for Borgullet to eat the toast. <laughs> Borgullet knows. <laughs> uh, if you look at dictatorships throughout history. There's always the question of, wait, wait a second. What would I have done? Would I have risen up against this dictatorship or would I have gone along? Most people go along and that's not to say that they're terrible human beings. That's just to say that things happen in these giant, um, uh, you know, wheels of society turn. And by the time you realize what's happening, sometimes you've gotten to this dark place. And so not to excuse the actions of those who have carried out horrific acts, but that's what that that's what Andor attempted to look at. Um, and looking at the Star Wars storytelling that's always been apparent, that's what George Lucas did so well and so brilliantly is drop you right into the middle of this conflict, say things without tons of exposition to tell you what he's talking about, because he could have said, Oh, oh, no, Artu will be sent to the, the spice mines of Kessel. Yes, those are the places that mine the hyperfuel that run yeah. the space lanes. Yes, hyperlanes are run, run between planets. That, you know, it, yeah. But they didn't do that. You know, Look, Lando's saying, oh, somebody must have heard about my maneuver at the Battle of Tanab. That's just some I hope, random honestly, line. Honestly, I hope we never see the Battle of Tanab. No, we don't need to see that. Uh, they mentioned the planet. I'm going to say it wrong, but Ord Mantell. Ord Mantell. Ord Mantell. I knew it was a D or a B. Ord Mantell, where, where you know, Han Solo says that on Hoth to Princess Leia. Oh, I, well, you know, the bounty hunter ran, ran into, into an Ord Mantell. Mantell changed my mind. That's fantastic because it's written in a way that, that puts you as an observer but it doesn't have to, to play down and, and dumb to you and explain every little thing that they're doing. You you can use your imagination, right? And you can yes. connect certain dots yourself. And that's what's so great about it. I mean, I think our modern Star Wars storytelling has ushered in a kind of a modern way, the Mandalorian same way, where they might put in a line here or there that feels a little bit more modern. But for the most part, it stays true to what George Lucas wanted to do, which was let's create this world, let's put people into the world and and kind of move them right along, observing what's going on. We didn't know why Princess Leia was a princess. And then Amidala, all of a sudden you find out, oh, she's a queen. Oh, she's a senator. Wait, she's elected. She's She's of royal blood. What's she going gets on here? Elected you know, queen. She's elected queen. Is she royal blood? Do they, is queen a different term that doesn't mean the same thing? You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means, <laughs> right? So, but that's what's so cool about having you know now forty plus forty five years to digest and to enjoy. We have the luxury now of just taking these different paths to to tell different stories for our own enjoyment, and I enjoy it. I, I enjoy. The darkness of Andor. I really did enjoy it. Well, and that's it. what I was going to say. So darkness, and you brought that point up earlier, it's dark in that it's missing the pulpy fun. For to sure. To me, that's what dark means. Dark doesn't mean like, well, I don't know. They got pretty close when they tortured, uh, what, when they tortured Bix. Um, 
you know, by making yeah. her listen to the death's cries of a people right. that drives you insane or something like that. And, and with the, the psychotic smiling doctor, isn't that a creepy thing? Like the person Super who's like, creepy. I'm about to do this terrible thing and to he's you. So and I'm cool so with excited himself. to see how you're going to react yep. to this. And he's, he's very excited about what he's doing. Now, did you like Solo? Because I really liked I Solo. I, I did too. I, I mean, it's not my favorite, but I didn't no, dislike it at that, all. And that's the thing. I felt like Solo was uh, kind of devoid of, of can't be fun. I mean, you had not can't be. I, I hate to say that with Star Wars, but I mean, Pulpy you had is the word I you use. had Rio, which was the the uh, Ordinian who had the arms, and that was played by John Favreau. And then you had uh, the the evil guy uh, who was Paul Bettany's character. I mean, I really liked these characters, and I really liked um, the the plot, and I really enjoyed Corellia and the shipbuilding, and I and and the heist on the train. I loved all of those things, and I thought Solo kind of set it up for being like something like Andor, um, shot very dark. I mean, I know they, they purposely shot it without right. any lights. And it was originally really going to be way more comedic until Ron right. Howard took over. And so I like it, though. I, I like that. And at the same time, I liked that the year before I got something in the Skywalker saga, the year after I did. I like that next year I'm going to get Ahsoka, which might have a little yeah. bit more fun, a little bit more. Um, I, I like Bad Batch. That's coming out. I really enjoyed Bad Batch for, yep. for the folks who haven't watched the animated stuff. Don't let the idea that it's a quote unquote cartoon steer you away like it did for me for years. I didn't watch um, the Clone Wars on um, on uh, Cartoon Network and, and I just didn't get into it until until uh, uh, Rebels and my kids and I got into Rebels and that was exciting. Well, and then but then speaking of that, the last four episodes of of oh boy of Clone Wars that Pure tie cinema. directly into Revenge of the Sith are some of like the best. Oh boy. Cartoon Some episodes my, you've ever now, seen. If you could watch something on the big screen, I would say that the the four oh, cinematic cool. episodes of the Clone Wars at the end with Ahsoka, and where they don't even start off with poor um, Tim Kaine's, you know, and this week on the Clone Wars, they don't do that. Yeah. It's just straight up Lucasfilm and, and a long in. time ago in a galaxy. It's trying to to really root you into a pure Star Wars film. Um, Andor, I think, uh, takes it to a. We know Tony Gilroy. The showrunner and uh, writer on a lot of these, he he's the born identity kind of a spy guy, and that's what he was going for. And he he's even said almost in a flippant way, "Look, I, I don't care about Star Wars. You know, I don't care about these characters. Whatever." And he said he had the story group filling in the planet names and things when he said Canto Bite. I'm sure Tony Gilroy didn't write the words Canto Bite. No way, right? So that's a good point, and that's fine. I, I've decided that's okay. You don't have to prove your undying love for Star Wars. Do you think Irving Kirshner was just the biggest Star Wars fan of all time, or he was a great <laughs> filmmaker? Do you think he'd even seen the first ah, one? He might have I'm seen not even it. sure about I'm that the Star Wars thing. It's this great thing. That's where you can use the expertise. Look, we know John Favreau and Dave Filoni are huge Star Wars fans, and so as the gatekeepers of the franchise, we can feel comfortable with them making films. <sighs> I, I just, would have been interested to see if Solo had stayed comedic with the uh, um, with the guys who did the Lego movie. Disney has not been willing but, to allow people to make their own Star no, Wars vision. I, They've I, been I very know. afraid to, to veer away. But what I'm saying is, you know, it can be done. I thought Spider-Man Homecoming was a great example of doing a goofy comedy sure. and yet still keeping the DNA of the person and not feeling... Like the person was being made fun of. Yes. Or was stupid. Yes. Like he did all, like there was emotional moments of homecoming. Like. For sure. Genuine. And yet there was also stupid and getting into silly hijinks and pranks. It was a teen comedy. People talk about it's how it's kind of a John Hughes kind of a thing. Well, we might see that with the skeleton crew, I'm thinking, with the more Goonies 
ET style. That's the I think I don't think it's being released next year. I mean, it's it's been in front of cameras. This is a Star Wars kids thing. Yes, it's the one with Jude Law mm. as kind of a, um, a Fagin character. Is how I picture him. Uh, yeah, you know, an Oliver Twist, and it's supposed to be a group of kids in the Star Wars galaxy, which I mean could veer off the rails, and you could roll your eyes right now and go, "Oh boy, here we go." However, I think in, in a done well. Goonies kind of a way, and my kids might eat it up, and I might eat it up, right? So the fact that that we are veering into these different lanes, it's okay because you know we're going to go back to the bread and butter. And, and and to those who fear that we might not, I mean, maybe that's a legit fear is as long as we keep the good stuff coming, the lightsabers, the Sith, the Jedi, great storylines that we've seen for, for 40 years, I think we can veer into these darker areas, more comedic areas. Uh, more focused on kids. Look, we we have more focused on kids. So you got the Lego stuff that's pure insanity. Yep. And, and it's, it's hilarious. My kids turned on the um the holiday special again. So right. I wondered if that would make an entrance into our yearly Christmas movie list. Apparently it has. They were going to watch well, the holiday special Thankfully it's only like again. 30 minutes long. Oh, it's funny. It's easily digestible. It's hilarious and, and stupid and silly. Um, so yeah, Andor for me wasn't stupid, silly. It wasn't unnecessarily slow. I thought that it was... Uh, uh, Thought-provoking and uh, deep and interesting and, and Star Warsy at the right spots, right? Okay. okay. You know, when you had the the roar, look, let, let me just pluck out a scene and go, holy cow, this one. Now, you'll like this because I'll relate it to uh, The Last Jedi, to episode <laughs> eight. I told my kids when we saw um, Luthen Rail pilot that, uh, I want to say the name of it because it's awesome, that the full, full core... Hallcraft? Is that what it is? The Fondor? Fondor. It's called the Fondor Hallcraft is the name of his ship, okay? okay. I only say that because I want to repeat it again and again until they give me a toy. I want a toy of the Fondor Hallcraft. When that thing busted out, it's... So Hasbro Labs? Hey, Haslab. I'll probably invest in one. But when he busted out that... uh, The side lasers? What do you call... Well, before that, what do you call that? Not flak. Oh, that that was essentially... Just like on Air Force One, right? Yeah. (laughs) And it gets sucked into... The countermeasures. The countermeasures, and then beams it up, and his his droid that's part of the ship that's on there talking to him, he was as cool as a cucumber. I really do think he might be a hidden secret Jedi, because of the way he piloted that thing and the way he carries around whatever he carries around, he's, you know, it's kind of hinting that it's a lightsaber. He gives, he gives Cassian a, a kyber crystal, okay? They're, they're giving us these obvious hints. However, mm, Honestly, scene, I never put that together. When they release the TIE fighters to come after him, when they've got that awesome Star Destroyer with the giant dishes coming after him, and he does a thing just like the maneuvering of Han Solo and, and Empire Strikes Back, or I thought Poe Dameron at the beginning, the, the, the cold open effectively of The Last Jedi... When he when he is about to hang flip a Yui in space and puts his hand on the side of the cockpit of the X wing and flips around and says hold on BB eight and then he goes straight towards the dreadnought. Look, people can think what they want about the Last Jedi. That was an awesome part of the scene where Poe went out there in his X wing and pilots it to show you he is the best pilot in the galaxy. Luthen there told me like whoa, how does he know how to do this kind of stuff? And this Fondor Hallcraft is an awesome ship with hidden capabilities just like he has hidden capabilities he puts on his wig he does his smiling he's an art dealer whatever he's really not he's a cold-blooded killer organizer of the rebellion oh yeah and a hotshot pilot who you go has he done this before oh my gosh he i mean he's outsmarting tie pilots come on now so that that scene right there was just so uh, it was just pure awesomeness to my uh, fanboy heart
Well, and that's another one. That that's where it felt Star Warsy a little more than some of the other stuff. Oh yeah. And I I don't disagree with with what you're saying at all. I for me, Andor was just straight immersion. Like it was, yes. it was swimming in the deep end after you've had swimming lessons and being able to feel like you could dive down to the bottom and pick up the ring off the bottom. Whereas at the beginning, you were afraid to dip your head under the water. Um, it was, it was awesome to be down there. Um, you know, trying to imagine and as an adult, again, this is having chewed on stories for my entire life. It's interesting to comprehend questions as an adult that even if I watch this with my kids, my kids are not considering the ramifications of what each of these characters is having to do and what they're having to choose between. And, you know, they haven't gotten to an adult life and had like a comfortable or a cushy stretch of it um, where you'd be like, oh, I really enjoyed this part of my life. And if somebody said, "Okay, well, now we're going to upend it and make you choose between this and this, you're going to be like, I kind of don't want to upend this part like if it's going to get upended someday maybe but i'm not going to like look for it and so uh you know you can see that something's wrong mon mothma sees that there's something wrong mon mothma understands the principles of democracy and sees you know obi-wan kind of understood the democracy um what was at stake during the events of the prequel trilogy yeah um but then Mon Mothma having to choose, like she's the Chandrelin, uh, however they pronounce it, Chandrelin senator. And doesn't that sound perfect for her planet? I'm like, oh, that sounds. I like always where think she'd like a from. chandelier. Like yeah, that's oh, how yeah, I always very fancy, it. very sophisticated. And that's of course that's actually uh, they lifted that planet name from uh, the heir to the empire. See, I was not aware. Now l- let me ask you this: Well, she was just Mon Mothma. There was no backstory right. for her. And then in the, in when they did. Um, the heir to the empire trilogy. They're like, okay, well we got to figure out who Mon Mothma is. She was leading the rebellion at one point. Was there a specific, uh, character or plot line or story that really resonated? Because as I would go through this, I was, I was finding myself caring more about certain characters for a one to two episode stretch, the three episode kind of arcs where we saw it divided up. Um, and I, I, I just found that fascinating. I'll As tell well. you a character that I cared about was B2 Emo, the, oh the little Oh my gosh, droid. how have we not talked about C-C-C-Cassian? B2 yet? Cassian? Can I get B2? Oh, I want Marva. Oh my gosh, rip your heart out. The best thing then that kick Star him Wars over does. And you're like, don't you dare kick him over. I have heard people talk about how droids are kind of throwaway and 3PO is annoying in the original. I, I, I argue against that. I push back. 3PO is one of my favorite characters of all time. I read Anthony Daniels' book, IMC 3PO. Um, and the fact that they brought Your favorite th- character from Attack of the Clones is Tony Donnell, the low life scum in the Shh. in the nightclub that was Anthony Daniels when he finally got to be on. Of camera. course, yes. And when he was in Solo uh, at the uh, harvesting, you know, whatever fuel on on um, <laughs> on Kessel. Anyway, what I what I love about it is they brought three PO all the way around at the end, and and the stuff that he says to R two that's very sweet, and the, the connection is 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 the heart and soul of Star Wars. Um, R two saving the day again and again, heart and soul. Star Wars. BB-8 was so likable in the, in the uh, sequel trilogy. Um, when uh, K2SO sacrifices his life, look, yeah. he, he could be uploaded again, theoretically, right? Couldn't you have his essence somewhere? But when he dies as Climb, Climb, I get emotional every single time. Every time. Every time. Um, so this one, the fact well, that... Well, think about 3PO in Revenge in the... In the- Rise of Skywalker. Agreed. The fact that Just J- looking on my friends for the last time. Oh, boy. When J.J. did that, and he says, I want to tell you, R2, that I have, I have enjoyed our friendship. Oh, my gosh. It's so sweet. B2 Emo, E-M-O, 
is so great because it is in the classic tradition of Star Wars droids that are more human than they ought to be. Right. Um, the the stutter made him endearing. I thought because it wasn't he means annoying. He's an older model that they've kept around. I mean, I think of him as I've like a first generation Roomba kind of. A oh, thing. he's very much like a Roomba. He, he that says that can talk to you. He says things to Cassian. You, you say you will come back, but then you don't. Oh, but he's he's so sweet, and he says uh, when when um, Brasso says, "Come on, B two, I got to go to work in the morning. You got to come with me." And well, I don't, I don't want to. I want to stay here. No, I got to charge. No, you've been charging all day. I mean, he, he's negotiating with his droid, but he says to him, "Hey, listen, you want a few minutes before they take Marv away? You want a few minutes?" And then who is the one to be the machine that provides? the heart and soul to the fight at the end yeah, to Marva well, yeah, she and recorded the giant in front of him, yeah cuz he recorded so it great i just i loved that and um, i want b2 right now <laughs> like, like not a real one i i just want one for my desk i want it to be the size of a little you know a, a box of pop tarts or something i i want a b2 do they have b2 toys yet i will buy it now they tried with lola in in Kenobi, and I'll give Lola a shout out too. Lola, which was young Leia's oh, little, little pet robot, yeah. robot, which actually also helped save the day. Um, Lola, I thought was pretty fantastic as well. But B two, I thought did even though B two had a limited run, maybe three episodes, right, four episodes of substance, right. Um, Lola did a pretty good job too. And so, shout out to to the creators of Star Wars and, and Dave Chapman for the voicing of B two. Oh, wonderful. Well, how about Chopper? Uh, oh, Dave yeah. Filoni voiced Chopper. He doesn't Chopper. even have a voice. He's like, wah, 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 wah. which is fantastic. It's great because R2 does the same thing. R2, you know, 3PO is there to, to, to uh, you know, translate and to relate everything that R2 saying, which I love. Um, Chopper is the same way. If we saw a live action Chopper somewhere with that arm coming out of his head, which is the original like R2 design. Boy, my kids and I would go crazy when when he appears in Rogue One. One time Just for a scene. second, right? Loved it. So I, I will say, if we want to talk about the things that Andor gets right, and and that I don't think any Star Wars um, fan would argue with. I know there there are not enough droids. There are not enough aliens. There's not enough of, of the original feel of lightsabers and blasters and that kind of stuff. I, I thought B two embodied perfectly what a Star Wars droid ought to be. And so this this all goes back to my. My, that I can't separate Andor from this time period. I, I really feel like it ties into that. And let me let me circle back to the fact that we have communication, which is zero cost now. You know, and, and over the last twenty years, it's become zero cost. One great example for those of you who know missionaries from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. You and I were missionaries back in the nineties, and the, or you were in early two thousand. Two thousand was but the first year. Yeah. You, you, you couldn't call home, but on like three days a year, two or three yeah. days a year. Didn't have email. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I, I was able to use a little bit of email because I happened to be working in the office for part of it. But I was probably one of the first missionaries who got to send an email home. Sure, yeah. And it was life-changing. It changed a four-week communication lag right, from yeah. when I wrote a letter, two weeks to get home, right. two weeks for them to respond and send it back um, to overnight. Yeah. And it was, it was mind-bending. But, you know, that... The world is different now because of that. Now these missionaries, they can take, make video calls home. And the reason is weekly not... Weekly, too. <laughs> weekly or whenever they need to, essentially. And the reason, in part, for the restrictions before was not just so that they could stay focused, although I'm sure that was part of it. But it was also, not everybody had the resources to be able to contact their family that often. And it wasn't now easy, yeah. they can for zero cost. 
essentially. I mean, you pay for the phone and now you can talk to anybody anywhere in the world. Yeah. But that changes even warfare. Warfare is most effectively done when it's an us versus them. And you do your best propaganda, where propaganda comes from. You demonize the opponent so you have less of trouble killing them. Right. We don't live in the same world we did in the 1970s or the 80s or the 90s or even the early 2000s. It's a different world Very now. Very different, yeah. We know more about the world. We can talk to anyone anywhere in the world. We can go almost anywhere in the world. There are few travel restrictions, though there had been. I mean, there was years where nobody would fly to Moscow during the Cold War. I mean, unless you had to go there on business or you were sent there by the government. You didn't just like, hey, you know where I'm going to go? I think I'm going to go to Moscow for our vacation this year. Yeah. But that's a thing that you can think of doing now. The world has shrunk uh, you know, because of the the ease of communications. And so when we watch these war stories, we now have more sympathy for the other side because we now have more sympathy for those who were traditionally our enemies. For sure. Um, with that, that, And I think that's an important thing to keep in mind because now when we watch Andor, this goes back to what you were saying earlier, we want to know about Mon Mothma, but Deidre Merrill, why is she? She's a human from the same universe as these guys. Why does she want to wipe out these people versus they don't want to be wiped out? You know, right. who thought that it was a good idea to just have endless, you know, prisoners? You just you're free, but you just get shuffled to another floor to continue to make stuff. Whose idea was that? Why are there people who are cool with that? And why are there people who are not? And what about the people who don't care? That's where the beach planet that Andor was hanging out on fascinates me. Is that Neomos. sort of just like... Yeah, there's stormtroopers on the planet, well, some, but there's other people who are just vacationing there, and they're going to leave. And th- th- there's apparently a court system on that planet that can sentence Andor well, for after ten minutes. To and a you talk about prison people having no no qualms or scruples about doing these things. This judge who he says, uh, "Wait, six years," and she says, uh, it, "It used to be six months. Well, it's six years now. Guilty, and off yeah. you go." Like to to, I'm just a tourist. What if to take somebody's life away like that, that easily? I mean, we know things get out of control quickly. Mob mentality is a real thing. Think about here in Salt Lake City a few years ago with the messages of Black Lives Matter and of alleviating suffering of minorities who are who are oppressed turns into pure violence and, you know, uh, devastation in the streets. Why Things get out of hand quickly where messaging can be lost or manipulated or changed to to fit a purpose. Right, but we can't. We don't accept flat storytelling now in a Correct. way that we yep. did. Absolutely. We, we, we could have at one time Dudley Do-Right's villain Snidely Whiplash with his curly mustache. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't matter what he wants. He wants Nell to be on the tracks to, to make Dudley suffer if Dudley can save her or while he's robbing a bank. Aren't, it, uh, it doesn't matter. Rocky what, and Bullwinkle, the evil villains Boris are and Boris Natasha. and Natasha. Yeah. I mean, that's full-on Russian. Although they're one of the Cold funnier War. characters. Oh, they're they hilarious. Could've, they could have made them into idiots. <laughs> And yet they were usually pretty smart very or funny. sardonic. But but that's what I'm saying is, is that the time that we live in now, it requires we require of our stories more than sure. flat storytelling, which is OK for flat storytelling. You've got to introduce something somewhere. You're, you don't mind reading a book to your kids. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. But if you tried to read that to your spouse, what? Right. Yeah. Why are you? Well, so and it's the difference, like parents who are willing to read Lord of the Rings to their kids 
when they're really young, hoping that the kids will understand it. Or maybe they start with something a little softer and build up to it. That's why The Hobbit, I believe, was written was to sort of intro some of the Lord of the Rings stuff to prepare younger kids right. for the for the meteor stuff. And so we won't just take an evil villain like, oh, Deidre Romero is so evil and we don't know why. We almost feel like we have to know why. I I think that that's for a different podcast arguing the pros and cons of this because sometimes we do need just a bad person just good and that good it and doesn't evil, matter yeah. why they're bad like right. we're we're against them and well, we're, the we're Joker, trying to do the right Heath Ledger's Joker in in The Dark Knight does not explain his no. he's just a liar and a manipulator and evil and, and it's I don't awesome. believe we need the backstory no, on the Joker no. and I didn't like the movie that gave the backstory on the Joker there on a base level I I, I thought cinematically right. it was amazing but right. There was a there was a show and I don't have the name of it and maybe you'll remember I mean I think it was only a couple seasons but it was a show where all the lights went off at the beginning of the show and everybody dealt with no power and that was kind of the idea kind of an apocalyptic it might have been five six years ago but the first episode of the show and this is just to bring up the idea of these not an anti hero or a gray hero but just someone who has to make a choice that you would go wait a second what would I do so. This woman is preparing to uh, this wagon, like a radio flyer wagon full of supplies and food, and she's leaving her house, and and it's chaos in the streets, and a guy comes up to her front porch and looking like he's going to help her, and he says, give me your stuff. And she says, no, you don't understand. I've got children. You can't have my stuff. And he says, no, give me your stuff right now. And he's a bigger man than she is, and he just takes it, you know, because he kind of shoves her away. And what happens is he turns to walk away. She pulls out a pistol and shoots him in the head. And you go, oh, my God. It was so shocking that yeah. your one of your main protagonists did such a violent act. Instead of trying to negotiate more or shoot him in the leg or the arm, shot him in the head. And that's very Cassian Andor, right? Isn't it? Like yeah. you say, wait, what would happen if I didn't do this? She had to make a choice. My children will starve and we will not have what we need to survive today and a week and a month in the future. That's it. It's kind of like The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead did that in a lot of its um, story arcs. It was, what are you willing to do to survive? How do you interact with humans once the societal norms are are washed away? So I think Andor was the same thing. In a time of rebellion, in a time of empire, in a time of dictatorship, what must you do to survive at times that might not be a normal peacetime act? That's a great that's a great point. I mean, that's that's adult storytelling. That's making yes. us think about things that we don't necessarily want to think about and think about it in a different way. Uh, Did he have to shoot and kill the guy who says, hey, listen, let's go split this thing up. Huh? I've got a place we could take it to. I forget his name. Yeah. Um, he was the bad let's guy go. on the crew. Well, you say the bad guy, but I mean, he was bad just because he suggested taking the money. I mean, he was, <laughs> that makes him kind but of. But he cut everybody else out. True. That's bad. Death sentence. Or does he go in the, hey, hey, well, this guy said I this. Know. I mean, and, and Cassian made a, made a knee-jerk re- reaction decision. I'm not saying it was wrong, but he did not give him a chance to do anything. Cassian played it out in about four seconds in his head. Wait a second. If I let this go, he'll shoot me when I'm asleep. We'll get to this place. He'll abandon me. We'll get to this place. I'll have somebody else jump me. I'm not taking a chance. Boom, you're dead. <laughs> and, he, and he took him out right away. Yeah. So. You know, I actually empathize with that made. thought. It's one of the things that, but but then it goes to the core of the character. Batman's one of those. We talked about Joker. One of Joker wants to get Batman to kill. Like that. Yes. That was the whole point of the Dark Knight was trying to get Batman to go against the thing that he yes. wasn't willing to do. Right. And that's the scene where he's coming at him, and Joker's like, "Come on, come on, hit me." Yeah. Like. 
kill me. Like, that's what I want. I want you to kill me because that means I beat you. Well, even going straight at him with the motorcycle. And, and that's what and I mean. That's the yell. scene. He's, he's, shooting, the, or no, he's a, shooting the shotgun while Batman's coming at him. With and the, Batman's yelling, ah, and, and you think as you're watching it, just run over him. He's the, he's the Joker. Right. That's no. what I'm saying. So for me, that's how my brain plays things out. Like... It's Do almost you like have rules, I have to, right? I know what's going to happen. What is the end result if I go down this path? And yeah. so for Batman, it's, I, I've always thought like, man, you, there, there's a whole ethical argument as if a Batman has a chance to, you know, legitimately take out a bad guy for good. Yeah. He doesn't. Right. They go to jail. Yes. They get out and kill again. Is yeah. that on Batman's head? Well, and you think about that sometimes as a, as a human being in our world and right. our reality. And, I, and that's I how my, my brain works. My brain tries to look towards the last yeah. step. And so it's part of the reason I don't start a lot of fights because it plays out, okay, let's say I hit him here. Then do they hit me back? Like that, I, I do empathize with Andor's decision in that particular moment. Am I going to have to look over my shoulder until this money's gone or right. am I just not going to make it? I'm not, I'm not playing that game. Yeah, and this I don't guy's willing this. to pitch the stealing of it now while we're out of earshot, he'll take it from me if I say no. Yeah. He, he needs me because I'm a pilot, but he doesn't need me for anything else. Right. Um, well, what, look, 12 episodes, and I, I had wondered, and I know some had commented online that his, his uh, move toward rebellion and being a full-blown believer in the rebellion— uh, what? Because which he was in Rogue One, he, he was really out was. for himself at the beginning of this series, right? And if I know people are saying, arcs, why okay, hasn't so. he arced yet? Why hasn't Why hasn't he developed as a character? And they they sure drew that out to the very end, even to that last scene with Luthen, where he says, "Look, kill me or take me in." And I'm going, "You fought this hard to have him say, kill me or take me in.'" And Luthen smiles, and then it's over, and you go, "Oh, so that's how he became a rebel." Luthen says, "Listen, you two. He he has a conversation with Cassian there. He hands him back the blaster and says, "Listen." I'm not going to kill you. Look what you've done. You believe now, don't you? You see now, don't you? And Cassian's going to go, I do see. I do believe. He's been listening to Nemec's manifesto. He's been reading it. He's feeling... I feel like Cyril has a manifesto too somewhere. <laughs> hey, look, I do. I believe... I hope they do this. I believe that Dedra is now going to finally allow Cyril into the ISB. Let's get this guy on board. And, and Cyril's going to go the other direction of... I fully commit to the empire. I believe in law and order so much that the order that the emperor provides yep. is my life's work. Um, so I, I, who knows? We might never see them again. But but if we do, I think that's where that will go. Cassian, on the other hand, sees what the oppression has done. Marva's speech did it for him. His mother said to him, fight the empire at the end. Fight the empire. You got to do I this. I actually found this. I don't know if, if Andor heard the speech. Much oh, of did it. He, was he not around he when that was happening? He was trying to get Bix. Like, that That's to true. me, That's was, true. I thought that was a great Selfless. twist from the finale was everyone was expecting him to be there for the mother's That's funeral. True. And when he got there in time for the mother's funeral, his first thing is, where's Bix? Oh, she's in That's the hotel. True. Let's go get her. And it's like his mom's giving a speech to join the rebellion and fight the empire. And he's not even listening to it. So he's not there to mourn. Yeah. Which we all assumed and the ISB assumed he would be there to mourn. That's True. why it was brilliant. He didn't even know that. So it became selfless. We were waiting for him to be selfless because he was selfish the whole time. He was selfless once he and, um, oh, what's his friend's name who got off the the prison, uh, Narkina prison. Uh, um, oh, the one who got Melshi. trapped in the net with him. Melshi. He and Melshi go off 
And so that was that could be seen as selfless because he was kind of helping. By the way, Welshie. did he break into a hotel room where two people he didn't know were getting it on just so he could get his stuff off the shelf that he'd left there whatever months before? There was just somebody asleep there. There was nobody. Well, getting okay, it on. but it was. I don't think they were alone. No, but but he just, was, it well, wasn't. Was his it wasn't old, Melshi. It was somebody was else. Like he was breaking in to get right. But he was. Sure. He was just went to get his stuff, and it didn't matter. He didn't even know who was in there. No. Right? Okay. I, he had so. to go get his stuff above the shower. His his credits and <laughs> uh, and the mixed manifesto. Um, but that was selfless. Him reading and, and and consuming the manifesto was showing the change of heart. And then at the end, saving Bix's life and putting everybody on that ship and saying, "Go, go, go, go! Off you go. You're going to be safe. Go do this thing on this moon." And then he went to kind of give himself up. Because he thought, I'm not going to cause any more damage. I'm not going to make anybody else die. I have turned Ferrix inside out, my home planet. Let me just end this with me. My second home planet. His second home planet. Sure, wherever he was from, the original one that they said is, uh, you know, his... Um, where him and his sister were the, from. The primitive place, the mining planet, where he, Lord of the Flies kind of thing. I just think, for those who, who wondered if he would have that character arc, he did. The next season, sadly, I wish we had a full-blown five seasons of 12 episodes. The next... Season is it, where it's going to be three episodes of per year, effectively. The next three episodes will be four years before the Battle of Yavin. Then you'll have three, then two, Battle then one. Battle of Scarif. Oh, Battle of Scarif. You're right. No, because BBY, before yeah, the Battle of Yavin. They, were, they happened they pretty been, close to a each month, other. Uh, no, a few months apart, maybe. I can't, I can't get that timeline right. A month apart? I don't know. A couple Whatever of days. <laughs> However long uh, Luke was preparing uh, to, to fly. Yeah, it was, it was a month or something, maybe. I don't know. A couple weeks. Uh, but anyway, the, the point is, we did see a, a development as character, somebody who would sacrifice himself for others and for the cause and for the greater good, as opposed to just being a punk who's like, you know what, I'm going to stick to the Empire because I hate them, <laughs> because they suck. Right. right. That's what he did. Oh, watch this. I can spit in their food and I can, you know, he said to, he said to Luthen at the beginning, they don't think I, they're so fat and satisfied. They don't think that I can get into their homes, spit in their food, do this, steal from them. And Luthen's like, so... You want to really kick it to him? No, I don't. And he didn't. The whole time it was, let me just get out of this what I can get out of this. Yeah. But he but he changed. Mon Mothma, she sacrificed everything with her family. Same thing. Perrin wants to be cool and chill. Here's a real question. Yeah. Is Perrin a gambler? No. Was that a scene no. that they played out just for the she benefit of the guy listening? Of course she did. She's brilliant. But did he know that? Uh, Perrin? Yeah. No. Perrin's, Perrin's like, Mon... What are you talking about? You could see it. Perrin's freaking out. Like, no, I haven't gambled. What are you talking about? Perrin is is pretty chill the whole time. I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he enjoys his status. He enjoys that Mon is is kind of takes the flack and he just gets to entertain folks. No, you could he's tell Perrin right man. there was like, yeah, he is. He's a kept man. But Perrin right there is like, what are you what are you talking about gambling? I'm not gambling. And Mon is like, good. At least I can feed that back to the Empire and let them know that's why they're missing these 400,000 credits. Even though I'm going to get this loan from this gangster dude, Davos, whatever his name is, Davo. Um, she said that for the driver's benefit, absolutely. Because we saw then the driver go pass it along to, was it No, Blevin? I knew that. I knew that. But then I No, thought- I, I do not think there, there was a gambling problem. I think Perrin was honestly... Hurt, Mon. I'm, I'm not gambling. I swear. I swear to you, like a guy who's been caught. No, he really has not been gambling. I don't think so at all. Okay. I do like that they mentioned Canto Bite. I loved that. Um, Except I, for now, that legitimizes the Last Jedi. <laughs> that's okay. Look, uh, Coruscant has never looked better. 
I'm mm-hmm. just trying to find these highlights yeah. of Andor to, to let folks know if they didn't like it. Mon Mothma rides around in a Mon combination of the Batmobile from, uh, from Batman, the animated series. I want a toy and, of that, uh, too. And the car that, uh, that uh, the great Gatsby drives. Hey, <laughs> give me one of those Bandai uh, uh, models to put together of Mon Mothma's car. I'll take that, too. Awesome. Um, we just saw these layers we've never seen before, and I just I loved it. Like you said, living in the world, enjoying these characters who are have these deep, well-written conversations, great acting. If this show does not win awards like crazy, because you know that Star Wars can get nominated. The original did get nominated for the great categories of best. You know, Annie Hall, of course, much better film. Come on. Come on. Star Wars. Right. How Direct, dare you say that? Director, picture, special effects, yes. Um, but and it always gets nominated in the sound technology categories lately. You know, last uh, prequels and the sequels. But this one was so layered and so complex. The acting phenomenal. Stellan Skarsgård, Andy Serkis. Mm-hmm. Um, look, uh, Diego Luna did fantastic as well. Hats off to everybody who was a part of this production. It, it, there was no weak link. That's what I, I made it find during the pandemic link. too, which uh, makes it, I think, in some ways an impressive feat as well because. Boy, they were strict Hollywood in making stuff during the pandemic. Again, I think, check the timeline. I think most of it was shot pre-pandemic, like principal photography anyway. That's possible. That's possible. Well, that's why I think um, Boba Fett seemed a little limited. Kenobi seemed a little limited. Those were full on during the pandemic where it it was just tough to to really get into. Look, I I loved them too. So I I don't want to knock... Uh, anything in Star Wars. I do reserve the right to be critical when I feel like being critical, but dang, if I don't enjoy these these series as much as any of the movies, right? I, and Andor was so rich uh, in, in the storytelling that I just, I, I loved it. I loved it. I should have played that while you were talking because <laughs> you were waxing philosophical. Of course. Well, let's do this. Let's look off into the distance as Luke did into the twin suns of Tatooine. Oh, the binary sunset. What do you want to see in season two? Well, it's going to be a lot more fast-paced because these three story arcs are going to take place as nuggets. So each nugget will have to kind of live independently, right? Uh So your arc will go one, two, three, and you're done. And then one, two, three, and you're done. So it's it's going to careen. Do you want to see a lot of characters introduced? No, I don't think they'll be able to. I don't think they'll be able to because I don't have the time. <laughs> they don't have the time. Um, Do you think we're going, since it leads right into Rogue One, yeah. which is almost literally the day of the Battle of Scarif, is with just within days of the it dissolving is. of yeah. the Imperial Senate. Do we yep. see the dissolving of the Imperial Senate? Because the Imperial Senate's dissolved after the Battle of Scarif. Well, we know that, yeah, I mean, Mon is going to be further ostracized. Yeah, she's, at some point, she essentially has to abdicate her seat you know and go on see? the run. We're going to see the Yavin base develop. Maybe we'll okay. see them arrive on Yavin or something. Hey, General this used Dodonna. to be a quarters of this and that. Yeah, I would love to, You know what I would love to see? An Akbar. I'd love to see an Admiral Akbar, Mon Cal, because we had Radis in... Uh, we could see Radis. We had Radis in Rogue One. We can see Radis again. Give us a Mon Cal. Um, give us... Uh, I, I wouldn't even mind like a Krennic... Uh, I think we will see. Can we so see it's not Orson a secret. Krennic. He has shot something, or oh, he has he? agreed to be Good. in Andor, and then he Good. wasn't at all in this first season. Orson Krennic was fantastic. Bring him back. Um, it doesn't have to be a main character, right? Um, I like. Do you they... want to see any legacy characters from the original trilogy in the series? At we all? could. Sh- I don't. Know I mean, Mon Mothma is technically look, a legacy character. I don't know how they do a Leia. 
Alea would make sense. Leia's fifteen. Well, she's probably well, ten I mean, look, right she's now. A, she's a senator in in A New Hope, which is right at yeah, the when time she's of like Rogue sixteen one. or seventeen. I, wasn't she supposed to be like nineteen or something in that uh, one? Maybe. I thought she and Luke were like nineteen in that one. That in in A New Hope. Either way, yeah, she she would have to be. 15, 16, 17, 18 in, in each of these we three episode 18, arcs. Right? <laughs> Look, if you had like a quick, even like you saw her on a monitor saying something to the Senate, oh, that's that Alderanian senator, whatever, Bale's daughter, something like that. If you give us a few little nuggets, I know Tony Gilroy doesn't want to give him, I'll take a Bale Organa. He, he looked a little older and a little longer yeah, in the did. tooth in, in Kenobi. Maybe, maybe. But this is a, a, okay because it's actually closer to where he looked old in you know Rogue what? One. I, I, I'm trying to think of the um, the Rogue One characters that might make an appearance or it might make sense. I don't Radis see it is one that, that general Radis who, uh, the, or the, the bald general. Blue leader, um, you know, blue leader, that, uh, that guy. The, the bald general. Yeah. You know, if you had various. The one who was like Diego's hand, or, uh, um, Andor's handler, essentially. Yes, the one that gave him the orders. If you had a few of those, it wouldn't make sense to have Baze or Cheer it. It, it, it. You can give them their own spinoff for all I care. That would be fantastic. Be awesome. I love those guys. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Um, Baze I and Cheer it. the force, yeah. and the force is with me. Uh, Bodhi Rook. Now, that would be a little too much fan service. doesn't come onto the scene until right about right. then. He's just a nobody. Um, give me more of uh, Forrest Whitaker. Give me some more Saw. Give me Borgullet. If they go to a, a Dagobah-style planet and they take Borgullet off the planet to use him for their, for their if designs. If we don't see Borgullet in, in season two, you can give I'm going to be outraged. Hey, give me more two tubes. Can you get... I know Warwick Davis is doing a lot with his Willow series now. If you could uh, throw him in a few characters, because he always has great characters. That's I was true. Gonna, I was going to say great little characters, but by design, of course, great little characters. But um, I don't know. I mean, I Krennic, sure. Krennic, you you could even have. I, I mean, I don't know if it makes How about sense. The emperor. I liked the emperor in Obi Wan Kenobi. I liked the the hologram of the emperor. Um, if you have him, it better be like a a, a specific need, yes. like Vader in Rogue One. I liked uh, Krennic. They needed going Vader to, in Rogue One, except everywhere, except as much as I love the hallway scene. Well, they sure, didn't I, need the hallway. No, scene. they didn't need it. And I, it, it was, I loved it. It was epic. I'm talking about having Krennic go talk to Vader in his castle just to show the Vader castle. Yeah. Awesome, and to show this is Darth Vader's role. I actually liked it. Where Krennic actually never meets with the Emperor, but he's willing. He's so hard up here. Tarkin, Tarkin's no, taking away his project and taking he's the a credit. Baby. No, no, no. I'll even go to Mustafar, the lava planet, and talk to Darth Vader. So I loved that. If you could have a Vader cameo that doesn't distract, that adds to the story, if you could have an Emperor cameo, sure. Sure, yeah. I would like a Tarkin cameo, right? Yeah. Uh, again, at least a hologram, at least some sort of communication, at least some. Would kind you of like a, anything from Rebels to cross over, like say yeah, um, the, the transmission that? Uh, if I didn't know that Ahsoka was happening, I'd say sure. But Ahsoka, oh, you, you're going to have Ezra that's Bridger. True. You're going to have. Um, wasn't there a leak? But remember, they can have, have Ezra Hera. Bridger in both. Sure. Because you know what? he time jumps, so he's the same well, age yeah. in Ahsoka as that's he is in Rebels. You right. know, it's true. Do you know what you could have, though? You could have a. Um, a, a shot of the ghost, you know, crew, maybe. You could have a, a mention of Lothal. I think I'd be cool with those uh, Rebels references like they were in Rogue One. I'd be cool with that. Okay. Throw, throw in a Lothal, right? Because Lothal... The ghost fly, floating look, by in the Vader background. Vader goes to Lothal during this time frame, Lothal is, is, is one of these planets that's starting to mix up, you know? So that's okay. That would be okay. If you, you could have a um, an Agent Callus, maybe. 
Agent Ooh, Callus. That would I like be cool. him. I would love to get some big old mutton chops there, get an Agent Callus. Why not? That's a yeah. great voice, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'd, right. be, I'd be down with all this. Radis, Callus, Krennic. Yeah. I like seeing the tapestry come together, but I'm also ha- I'm fun with new characters. I'd actually, honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing some short or something. I've always wondered, what the Emperor, what does he do once he's the Emperor? Like... He sits around for a him, Sith for him, cauldron and for talks him, about Sith part ways. of it was the challenge of getting like that was the challenge. He climbed the mountaintop. Yeah. What does he do once he's on the mountaintop? I don't like, know. What I was his plan of... once he got to the mountaintop or was it he was so focused on the journey to the top of the mountain? What was his plan after that? Was it just going on to immortality? Meditation. That's I've always wondered. It's the same thing I wonder about Cobra Kai. Why is John Kreese <laughs> so obsessed with teenage karate in the valley? Well, I don't know. I'd love to get an answer to that. I can live without have it, but I'd love to have time it. to think about it because I don't think we're going to see season two for another year and a half at least. So. No, but they're writing it now. So if you're listening to the podcast, oh, they just uh, they just started shooting it. I think. I think Mr. Just Gilroy, started. you can make script adjustments. But yeah. at any rate, well. Cool. (laughs) So that's it. I mean, we didn't talk too much about necessarily story arcs from Andor. This, uh, obviously, it's a little late to be saying this in the podcast if you've listened this far, but this is more to be listened to after you've watched the series to kind of compare how did you feel about it versus what you thought we talked about. Um, I enjoyed it. I look forward to the next series. I have to admit, watching the trailer, I wasn't, like, super excited. I mean... I, I was going to watch asked it no it. matter yeah. what, um, and I was curious to see where they would go. But I, I was satisfied with everything the uh, the raid on you know the the raid to steal all the imperial credits. Um, yeah, loved it. all the little subtleties of things of how they treated the people on the planet and how they planned their escape and all those different things. Um, I yeah. thought were I thought were great, and and so I I don't have any complaints about Andor the series at all. Um, it wasn't super exciting in the, like, there was something always happening. Not that in the traditional that sense. That didn't bother me. Yeah. But if it bothers somebody, I, I don't I don't disagree. I'm not going to be like, oh, no, no. It was so full of action. How did you miss it? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. And and I liked that it was released in three-episode arcs. I, as I watched the first two episodes, and I got to watch them, you know, right before they got released, I realized as soon as I saw the third episode, I said, okay, it's good that they released all three of these on the same day. Because if after all the wait time for Andor, if all we got was that first half hour, I do think there would have been a more negative for a longer period of time reaction because it would be like, what what the hey? Um, All right. Well, that's what that'll do it for our episode of Andor. So Dan Spindle, KSL TV, thank you for coming on. I'll come back again. Uh, We've got more Star Wars content. No more this year. But we've no. got uh, season three the of The Mandalorian. Of the Bad Batch coming up, too. The Bad Batch, and then whatever that other thing is that you got. But Ahsoka. Dan, thanks for being here. Thanks, and thank you for listening uh, to our podcast. If you've just joined us from social media, uh, we, uh, we're we grateful that you followed us here. And we hope that you'll check out some of our other episodes uh, on uh, Fan Effect. We uh, are on Spotify, Apple podcasts and of course on kslnewsradio.com and kslpodcasts.com where you can check out other great content from uh, other people here at uh, KSL in Salt Lake City. We love Star Wars. We love fandoms. We love you and we uh, think you're great. We think your opinions are great. We love to hear from you on our Facebook or Twitter. Fan Effect Show, E-F-F-E-C-T is how you spell it. And we look forward to hearing you or to having you listen to our next episode of Fan Effect brought to you by Larry H. Miller Megaplex Theaters. Talk to you then. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. 
In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.